Pulpa MX Network production. This is the Rocky Mountain ATV MC Kiefer Tested Podcast. The podcast you come to for the straight insight on all things moto-centric. Hard parts, bikes, gear, suspension, motor mods, and more. It's Kiefer Tested. Here he is, Chris Kiefer. Thank you for joining me once again. This is the Rocky Mountain ATVMC.com Kiefer Tested Podcast presented by Fly Racing and Racetech. RockyMountainATVMC.com is the trusted online source for parts, accessories, gear for dirt bikes, side-by-sides, ATVs, and street bikes. Low prices, unparalleled customer service, and free three-day shipping over 75 bucks. It's easy to see why you guys should go shop there. I do. And don't forget to put that you listen to the Kiefer Tested Podcast in the notes. I do not have a discount code yet, um, but hopefully... We keep this sucker moving, and they'll see a benefit in us having one. So we'll get you guys a discount like we do with other advertisers here on this show. But uh, thank you guys for getting your parts at Rocky Mountain ATV MC. And, of course, Race Tech and Fly Racing, both together with this podcast, presenting sponsorships. Fly Racing is the place to go because they just came out with a 2019.5 Kinetic Mesh Gear that you may have saw in Daytona Supercross, Justin Brayton, Blake Baggett. I love the all red and blue gear. It looks really good on a Honda. The good news about red gear, it goes with pretty much any color machine. And they have this gray high-vis that looks pretty bitchin'. I like that. But go check it out, flyracing.com, Kinetic Mesh, new Formula Helmet. Match up your setup, your gear, not your kit. If you have any questions, always hit me up on my email, and I'll answer them for you. Race Tech, we're doing our Honda project, and it's coming along nicely. That's going to be coming up for part two in this podcast series that we're doing. But go check them out, racetech.com. If you need your suspension done, engine work, they are doing our CRF250R engine right now. We're going to soup that sucker up, make it go fast. And if you even got a vintage bike, go check them out too. They have vintage parts. They can redo your suspension. They can help you out with anything that you need. Good guys over there. Go check them out, Racetech, Racetech.com. And, of course, Power Motorsports in Oregon. If you guys are looking to get a Kawasaki, a KTM, or even a Yamaha, email me, chris at keferinktesting.com. They are giving special discounts to guys that want to buy new bikes. So, again, email me. I'm going to get you guys the best deal possible, and trust me, they're good deals. I got them here on my email, and they're doing a really good job for out-the-door pricing. It's crazy. So Power Motorsports, email me if you guys want to get a new steed. So this podcast is in demand, man. Holy crap. I wasn't going to do this thing for another, I don't know, next month. I just got the 2019.5 KTM Factory Edition, but I have received so many damn emails and so many comments at the track about this bike that they, you guys just want to know more. And I was telling you guys, hey, just listen to the, the 2019 version. You'll get a lot of info. But you guys insisted on, of course, me putting time on the motorcycle to see how it is and the changes, see how those are. 
but also you want me to do some modifications. So I rolled a lot of those modifications over into this factory edition. So this is what this podcast is all about. I am up already to 25 hours on this KTM factory edition. Between this bike, the Husqvarna, and the Honda, I've been... Whew, I've been riding so much this past uh, three weeks. And, of course, Southern California has been getting a great winter. So it's been super easy for me to get some great quality testing feedback straight from my shop. I have so many different avenues to go down when it comes to track conditions. So I've been hitting a lot of clay-type tracks with deep ruts with Travis Preston. I've been going out to Carson Mumford's place just out from my house. That's a faster, choppier, um, sandier type of track. And, of course, I have my old standby next to my house that is very hilly elevations and very rough. So I've been riding the crap out of this KTM Factory Edition. One, because you guys wanted to, but honestly, I'll just be completely transparent with you. The bike is amazing. I love that bike a lot. I know some of you guys thinking, oh, Kiefer's Blue Crew, but again... I like great bikes no matter what color, and if it's Yamaha, KTM, Husqvarna, Kawasaki, Yamaha, whatever, I'm in. So it doesn't matter as long as it's good. And if it's not, I kind of like that too. I kind of like tinkering with things. That's that's how I was raised. I was tinkering and testing things, and I'm still like that to this day, even at 40 whopping two years old. Holy crap. So we're going to break down some things about this bike, some positives. A couple negatives, not everything's all, you know, cotton candy and pink lemonade over here in the Orange Brigade world, but we managed to get some stuff done to this thing, and like I said, I ran this bike stock for almost 11 hours, and then I did a lot of the modifications to this bike past the 11-hour mark. If there's one thing that you guys can count on with me over here is I ride a lot and put a lot of time on it. So if you guys are worried about durability, you don't think um, your media, your favorite media outlet rides the bikes enough, well, rest assured that we do here. And when I say we, um, there is only me, my good friend Michael Allen, and Dominic Chimino. Those are the only three people that I have riding bikes right now. I have... Matt Suravog, he's kind of like my mechanic slap shop guy, and he rides the Husqvarna FC350. But as far as you guys asking questions and getting things back in return from knowledge, it's me, Dominic, or Michael. So I have a tight-knit group here. We all ride a lot, and those two guys actually have a normal job. I say normal because in the real world, most of you guys listen to this, have a blue-collar job that actually probably bust your asses from 9 to 5. Chances are probably more than that. And I'm just sitting here riding dirt bikes, talking to you guys, and typing. So I can say boo-hoo-hoo, I'm working my ass off over here, but it's still riding dirt bikes, right? So I'm sure most of you guys listen to this saying, I'd love to be in your positions. Well, I, I don't blame you. It's a good position to be in. But to get you guys that quality information... I hauled ass on this thing. I, I rode, I think at one point I rode eight days in a row. And it's not it's not really <laughs> uncommon for me to put more than four out four engine hours on a bike a day. I like I mean these are these are not just like I'm out trail riding hours, okay? Like 
if I do ride from my shop, it's a 10-minute ride to my track. I do a moto, I'll 10-minute ride back, and then, you know, back and forth. And some of that other time is at a track, so there is no ride time to a track. I just basically want to be transparent with you guys because some of you guys ask me, how do you guys acquire that many hours? Well, we just simply ride a ton, um, especially me. I'm, I guess the older I get, the more I want to ride because it keeps me loose. When I have off days and rest days, I almost seize up more. I, it's kind of a weird thing, but me and Brownie were talking about this one day, and we were talking about rest days, and man, we're getting older, we need more rest days. But dude, honestly, if I rest too much, I feel worse. The more I ride, the better I feel. So why not just work? and get some quality content for you guys and just write a shit ton. So that's what I'm about over here. So like I said, putting a lot of time on this KTM Factory Edition. Our original intro was at Paula Raceway, which is a very good track for testing. And if you guys want to listen to that, go back a few shows. You can listen to that first impression of the bike. But we are way beyond the first impression now. And hopefully, I'll have this another couple months, but KTM has informed me that the 2020 bikes will be here sometime in late May. And that's a normal time for KTM to get these bikes out, okay? We always say, oh, it's early and earlier every year, but it's really not. It's always end of May, first part of June, KTM's one of the first ones to release their new bike. So I will most likely return this factory edition, hopefully with over 50 hours on it, possibly more if I got two months. And, and we'll, in return, we'll get a 2020, and there will be some changes, I hear. I haven't heard a lot, but I know there will be some changes from this 19.5 Factory Edition. So for those of you guys, email me and say, hey, what should I do? If you guys can wait a couple months, two, three months, you guys aren't like me and very impatient, because that's me. I'm a super impatient kind of guy. If you guys can wait a couple months, then the 2020 KTMs will be out. And there will be some revisions. Do not email me and ask me what those revisions are because, like I said, the couple things that I do know I can't tell you. And number two, I don't know that much past that. So it's not like I know exactly what it's going to be. So we'll just dive right into it right now. My first impression of this bike, as like, you, like we talked about earlier in the podcast, Basically, the engine is a little freer feeling. There's less engine braking on this 19.5 from your 19. So if, you're, if you do have a 2019 KTM 450, yes, the 19.5 does rev freer. There's less engine braking, if you can believe that, because this is everyone I let ride this bike, okay, this 19.5, that's the first thing they comment about. Guys that ride a Cowie, Honda, and Yamaha. So I've had a couple people, and actually a couple manufacturer internal people ride this bike, and they were just like, I can't get over how calm slash free this engine is. Now, when I say about free, it revs really nice and quick, and there's not a lot of decel braking in the engine. And when I say calm which means when you do have that kind of feel in an engine, that the chassis doesn't get upset. There's no pitching. There's no rearward um, sensation. There's no forward sensation. The bike stays flat all the time. And that's what other manufacturers strive to do, but they haven't achieved it yet. KTM and Husqvarna are the only ones that have a super 
free feeling engine that relates into a calm chassis. And it's awesome. It's one of the greatest things that I've felt from a four-stroke. You two-stroke guys can relate because that's kind of what it's like. It's kind of like having a two-stroke um, D-cell braking, but with massive amounts of torque. And that's the KTM 19.5 Factory Edition in a nutshell. So what did I do? Of course, I'd mentioned on the previous podcast, the ECU is better from the 19.5 from the 19. So, But I, I don't care, right? I'm going to go back to that ignition that we talked about. I'm sticking a Vortex ignition that Jamie from Twisted Development mapped for me. And I just transferred it right over to this factory edition. And I had a map for MR Pro 6, which most of you guys listening will not run because it is very expensive fuel. But it will add horsepower. But I do have a map for T4. That also is more affordable and more, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say economical, but it is less expensive than obviously going to your Pro 6 and slightly more than pump gas. If you're in California, and if you're not, don't worry about this, but if you're in California, look into getting some T4 because our pump fuel sucks ass. It's, it's horrible. Ethanol, it sucks, and it makes the bikes run shitty. Sometimes we blame it on the ECU, but in all reality here in California, our fuel just sucks. So I try to stay away from that as much as I can with this bike. Some other bikes aren't as finicky. But with the KTM, I try to run good fuel T4 MR Pro 6. So like I said, I put the ECU in, and I reset the TPS. Every time you transfer a Vortex, Vortex ignition to another bike, let's say you have a 19 you're putting in your new factory edition, you're going to have to reset the TPS. I can go over that step-by-step step with you guys. Just email me, and it's very simple. But instead of talking another five minutes about how to reset a TPS on the, on the Vortex, just email me, and I'll help you out. Chris at KieferInkTesting.com. I'm sure you guys know that. So I stuck the ECU on. I tried the T4 map, and I tried the MR Pro 6 map. And what this does, and the, the difference is between the 19 and the 19.5, now I have that freer feeling, this ignition picks up RPMs so much quicker, slash recovery. I always wanted some extra recovery, and I try to get that through gearing. But now with this, changes that the KTM, uh, KTM made in this 19.5, it made it so much better once I put this Vortex ECU on. I, I can't sit here and talk good enough things about this ECU for this bike. I know I turned a lot of you guys on to this, and you guys, I've not had one guy email me back and say, man, I shouldn't have got this ECU. It's a piece of shit. No, everyone that gets it obviously knows what they're getting into. It's 800 bucks, right? It's expensive, but it, it makes this thing a beast. It keeps all the same engine character like the the stuff that i like about the ktm right it keeps a linear character it just enhances the torque feeling and it makes it cleaner and the rpm response is instantaneous so it's not of like oh my god i'm getting so much more bottom in and it's hitting way harder it just has more torque and runs cleaner and that's all i really want from this bike yeah i guess if i was racing i would want um some more meat and some more pulling power, maybe some more bottom end. But man, for what I'm doing here and for what you guys need, 
that are listening to this, and for 98% of us, fuel and an ECU is all we need, and a muffler, okay, and an FMF muffler, because we'll talk about that in a minute, but is all you need for this bike. You do not need any more horsepower because it's so controlled and there's so much of it. It's going to put a smile on your guys' face. Every time I get on another bike, and I'm going to... I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try to admit some things right now. As much as I love a Yamaha, and and you guys know out there how much I like a Yamaha. Every time I get on this KTM, I appreciate what it's all about. And then I get back on another bike, and I'm like, oh man, now I really see what everyone else feels like. I never really thought a Yamaha was heavy because I spent a lot of time on a Yamaha. But when I got off of it and spent time on this orange or white bike, I can see how heavy the Yamaha feels. And even in shootouts, I did a little bit. But the the more time I spent on the KTM and then go back and forth to a Honda and the Yamaha and the Kawasaki, man, it, it's really tough to beat how easy to ride this bike is in all areas, not just engine, but chassis as well. So this Vortex ECU really woke up the RPM response, gave it more pulling power, but with this 19.5 engine, it builds RPMs quicker. So it just revs really quick. So I can shift earlier with this 19.5 versus the 19 because I can get into third gear quicker than I can with the 19. I don't have to change gearing on this 19.5 like I do with the 19 because of the freer, spunkier engine, all right? Now I'm adding to that with this ECU. It just makes it a super fun bike to ride. One of the questions that I get asked all the time about this bike, Kiefer, it comes with a crop of itch, and for those of you listening, that's what it's called, a crop of itch. Other media outlets are calling it Akrapovic. No, no, no. Akrapovich. Okay? So you guys need to go to school on how to pronounce this stuff. Those guys get pissed off when they hear <laughs> the wrong pronunciation of their product. So the Akrapovich is great. I had no real problem with it. It's super quiet. It pulls really nice. It makes it super connected to the rear wheel from my throttle hand. And... I put that Vortex Ignition on, Vortex Ignition on this bike with that muffler first, and I was completely happy with it. I I was fine with it. But what happens is that thing gets blown out, okay, and it starts getting loud and raspy sounding quick. Within about 12 and a half hours, that thing was blown out. And for those of you guys listening, it's a nightmare to get any kind of product from Akrapovich. It is a nightmare. I try to go through KTM to get a full system so I could test it for you guys. It's it's pain in the ass. I couldn't get one. So when all else fails, you go to FMF, right? I know what FMF brings to the table with this Orange Brigade bike. It's good. And as soon as I put the muffler on along with the head pipe, it woke it up even more. That quiet sound's not there anymore like it was. It's a little bit deeper, but it's not loud, okay? Unlike... If you guys are familiar with like a dual FMF Honda setup, that is loud. This KTM FMF 4.1 muffler is not loud at all. It's just a deeper sounding. Everywhere I go, people comment like, man, that thing sounds healthy. That thing sounds good. They're like, what's done to it? Not like ignition and a muffler. That's it. The thing rips. So 
What the FMF 4.1 brings is a little bit extra bottom in, so you will get some extra bottom in from this muffler, increased mid-range, and about the same amount of top in that you had with your slip on a Kropovich. Um, it's much easier to stick a muffler on this bike now. It's super easy. It takes me three and a half minutes to stick a head pipe and a muffler on. And to me, this FMF 4.1 muffler lasts longer. I'm already past the mark. Um, a little bit, maybe I buy a couple hours past the mark from where the Kropovich started, you know, sounding like shit. And this FMF 4.1 is still going strong. You will notice with the FMF that it will discolor near the, sti the, the sticker on the inside of the muffler. When you notice that, that means your muffler packing is going bye-bye and it's time to repack. So you can send it to FMF. They do have, um, you, you, it is available where you can get repack job done. Or just simply just do it yourself. It's not that bad. You can repack it. It's fairly painless. So I did have I do have that 4.1 system on there right now, along with that ignition and fuel. And that is all of the engine work that I'll ever do to this factory edition. And I'm completely happy with it. Okay. So if you guys have one and you notice, hey, it's a little I mean it's it's good, Kiefer, have enough power, but I just want a little more excitement. That's the way to get the excitement without ripping your arms off, okay? So make sure, hit up Jamie at Twisted Development. He does not pay me to say all this shit. Trust me, guys. Like, I just know the guy. I've dealt with him. He's a straight-up dude. His shit works, and especially his ECU settings, they work great. Just like Chad at XPR does with the Hondas, Jamie is really good with this KTM 450, He's very good. So if you guys are looking for an ECU, that's the place to go. Now, moving on the chassis, we talked about the gearing. 1348, okay? That is a stock gearing. I heard next year they're going to go to 1349. That's where I would like to be. I think I might end up at 1349 instead of 1452. I tried a 1452 recently, and although it's only a half a tooth, basically different, from a 1348, right? If you guys are doing the internal uh, mathematics, I still felt like I needed more recovery from a 1452. Hence why I went to a 1349. I got a little bit more recovery. I still have all that RPM response from that Vortex, and that's all I needed. So if you guys are looking to get in third gear more, try 1349. Now just know that when you guys do go to a 1349, your second gear won't be as long. And how I'll give you guys an example how to test your second gear. If you come out of a corner, right, and there's a jump, you know, several feet down that straightaway, try to leave your bike in second gear and wrap that son of a bitch out and see where it just gah, 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 and it revs out. Okay? 1349 is gonna rev out a little bit sooner than that. And then you just need to shift sooner. That's all there is to it. I like to get in third gear as soon as I can. If I'm in the meat of the power coming out of a corner, I'm already shifting. Or before I even get into that corner, I just leave it in third. And although I do have a little bit of a luggy feeling mid to end corner, a simple flick of that clutch, and boom, you're right back in the meat. So that's where the 1349 really benefits. Now, we talked about with the 2019 going to a different axle block in the rear axle. Okay, this is very important. I went back and forth with the ride engineering axle. The, the ride engineering piece comes with the Honda axle and the axle blocks. 
The works connection piece just come with the blocks with a tool to help you remove the fixed piece on the left side, okay? I went back and forth to see if I could feel a difference, and I can. I actually prefer the works connection just blocks with the KTM axle versus the right engineering with the Honda axle. Only because I have a Trax, um, a WP Trax shock. The track shock is a dead feeling already. Now, putting that Honda rear axle on increases that dead feel, and it just gave me too much of a packy feeling. So if I was on a stock shock, rear shock, I would probably be fine with the right engineering piece. But with that KTM axle, it's built a little bit different, okay? I think it's slightly, barely, you know, when I weighed it, it's barely lighter than the Honda axle. But I just get more of a little bit more of traction with just the WC Elite axle blocks and the stock axle. So if you guys are looking for a little bit increased rear wheel traction, you can go to Works Connection and look up that Elite axle block, and you know you can get it. They'll send it to you. You have a vice. You can take that fixed one off. You slap these guys on, and what that does, it floats now, okay? So now you have more rear wheel traction and increased um I would say increased side bite even. When I'm lean o- leaning over in corners, I feel like the the rear of the KTM bites a little bit better than um, having that fixed piece on there. So um, just know that I tried both, and either one's a good buy, man. Like you don't want to mess with it on the worst connection. You don't want to like do the tool and take it off. Just buy the right engineering one. There's a little bit of a difference. Maybe you guys won't feel it. But the works connection one will involves some work so just know that the right engine the right engineering one's a little bit more seamless take one out slap this one in done deal so it's up to you guys what you guys want to do but either one of those is a good upgrade you get some more traction and uh, if you guys like more of a dead feeling rear end then uh, stock shock and that right engineering axle honda axle will suffice i also been going to a crossbar holy shit can't believe that I'm a big fan. Of course, you guys know Pro Taper. I support Pro Taper. That bar is extremely comfortable. It flexes how I like. And I'm usually an Evo guy, but now I'm a Fusion guy. I've been running Fusions, which is, if you guys don't know what that is, that's a crossbar version of a 1 and 1 8 bar from Pro Taper. And I'm an SX Race guy on the KTM now. If you guys go back on my previous pods, I am a low bar band with some risers possibly, maybe the Husqvarna stock band, or even the, the KTM band was good. I just don't like that neck and bar, but I wanted to try something a little taller because I felt like when I really got into a corner or I tried to, from tra- transitioning from um, sitting to standing, I felt like I was a little low or kind of hunched back, so I wanted to try a little bit taller of a bar. Well, that kind of rolled over into trying a crossbar. And I just kind of like that feel. I grew up on a crossbar as well. As you guys know, I'm an older guy. Some of you guys listening might be the same way. And the Fusion really fits my style. I've grown to like it. Um, the SX Race Bend um, height is in the 80s. It's not that tall. For those of you guys wondering, um, the stock KTM bar is low 80s in height. I think it's 80 or 82 millimeters. I have to look in my records, but... The SX Race is not that much taller. It's like 87 in height. So you guys are 5'11", 6'1", in that area, 5'10", 6'1". 
give an SX race a try. It's up to you if you guys want to try an Evo or uh, Fusion. But what you are going to be getting in performance is some added flex. Throw those stock handlebars in the trash along with that bar pad. That is horrendous, KTM. That is the horrible. That's the worst bar pad I've ever seen. The foam is nice. I like the foam, but the shape and the bar is is trash. It's horrible. The bar is a little long, super stiff, and it makes the fork feel like shit. So don't blame your harsh feeling all on your AER fork. Some of that has to do with that that bar. I'm out. Give me the hell out of that bar. So that's one thing I really wanted to do right when I got this bike. And I wasn't planning on going to Fusion, but I did. I ended up going to Fusion, and I like it. Um, I, that's another thing I get emails on. I get a shit ton of emails about handlebars, man. You guys are loving that handlebar podcast I did and the dimension story that I did up on keyforinktesting.com. So I'm glad that is working. We're going to be doing some more of that stuff with Rider Triangle. I'm going to write an article about a Rider Triangle and kind of where your height is and your ability and kind of get you in the right Rider Triangle. Because when we do production testing, um, we do a lot of mathematic numbers and Rider Triangles for height. So I want to get you guys some of that information because I know that's important for you. Now, moving on the suspension, I had the AER and the stock rear shock on for quite a bit. And I'm not I'm not hating life on it, okay? As you guys know, it's been kind of slowly getting a little bit better for me um, on the air fork side. I was an anti-air fork guy, and I, and I still am. I'm not all about air forks, but I've grown to accept what WP's trying to do with this air fork. I appreciate the lightweight, okay? So, but I did go to a cone valve fork, valve by WP, and a track shock. So, first things first. Most of you guys out there probably are not going to get a cone valve fork. If you guys do, here's the benefit, okay? WP Pro components, solid. They've come a long way. You guys can have, there's many distributors out there that can valve a WP that can get the cone valve to work really good with this bike. Yes, you're going to add a couple pounds to your KTM by doing a spring fork, you know, WP cone valve. But you're going to get added front wheel traction. Now, what you will lose by going to a cone valve fork is a little side-to-side movement quickness that you will get from the AER. The bike feels a little bit lighter, and I was actually shocked when I went back and forth with this. Um, when I went to the cone valve, the thing just didn't lay over as quick as it did with the AER fork. You know, two pounds is a lot up in that front end, and it's, it's, quite, you know, it's quite noticeable when I'm riding on the track. I lack a little bit of comfort, only deep into a moto, 15 to 20 minutes. I lack a little bit of comfort on the AER fork and consistency. I kind of still don't know what it's going to do hitting the same bump, um, especially when leaning under throttle and I'm hitting some front-end chop. Um, it still wants to skate out from underneath, underneath me, unlike a cone valve where it sticks a little bit better and is more predictable deeper into a moto. Now... They did change, WP did change some things in the 2019.5 on the AER fork, um, different piston, valving, and they basically kind of stiffened it up. They recommended 10.9 bar on the AER fork. When I was working with the AER fork, I always started with 10.8. I'm 170 pounds, again, front end steering guy, but for you guys who are in the weight range of 165 to 175, 180, start out with 10.8. 
in the in bars. Okay, I always go with bars. Ten point eight bars in the fork, and you can increase the compression two clicks. That was a happy place for me for the compression and um, the spring rate. Ten point eight plus two stiffer on the compression, and I went one slower on the rebound. There's not a lot to be done. I've experimented north and south on this fork. Went all the way in, went all the way out. It's not as finicky as some other forks, a.k.a. Showa. Showa fork is a very finicky fork. But this WP fork is only finicky with air pressure. Um, Clickers and rebound is not as much as other forks on the market. So just know that. So experiment. You don't need exact clicker settings from me. What you do need is the exact sag, which should be 105, and exact air pressure for your weight. Past that, it's preference, people. It's all preference, okay? Just know that you don't need exactly 16 clicks. I need to know the clicks. Get the sag correct. Half you guys that email me don't even know where your sag's at. 105 is the great spot for stock shock. 105, fork height at 5 millimeters. And start your fork pressure at 10.8 bar. That's a happy place for this KTM. And it will build pressure throughout the day. So, again, check it. Just know that. If you guys, if you're up at 11 bar, go down 0.2 bar later in the day. But don't do it right after you ride, okay? Like, if you're talking with your buddies and you've been off the bike for 45 minutes, go ahead, check it, see where it's at. It's going to go up. That's why I start a little low. Um, for the motos, okay? Because if I'm doing 30-minute motos or whatever I like to do, I want to start a little low so it builds up so I'm not at 11 or 11.1 when I'm finishing a moto and it's rock-hard feeling. Just remember, every 2 PSI, and I don't have the bar mathematics here. I guess I could do that for you. But every 2 PSI is a spring rate. Just know that. Again, 105. And for the stock shock, I always went in a quarter turn on the high speed. To kind of hold that rear end up a little bit. Again, high speed acts like a sag measurement, but in the compression world, sag is not a compression tool. That is a ride height. And high speed is a ride height slash compression tool for you guys out there. So just know, when you guys go stiffer in the high speed, you may want to go a little bit softer on low speed. Not much, maybe a click or two. But just know that maybe you might want to go. If you're going a quarter turn on the high speed, you might want to back the low speed because you're bringing that rear end up a little bit. Help that balance out. I slowed the rebound down, rebound down the shock two clicks as well. And again, the, the KTM overall feel of this 19.5 is a dead feeling. It's not alive like a KYB SSS. KYB moves a lot. This WP stuff doesn't. Moving forward to the cone valve slash Slash tracks stuff. That's tough to say, man. That's a lot of tongue. AKA, come on, Heather. Um, that was a good one, right? Dang, that's funny. I wish I could laugh. If someone's in the studio right now, they could laugh, but no one's here. So anyway, cone valve tracks. I went to a .50 spring rate on my fork spring. I experimented with some with some things. I'm on my third setting. Ola, George, Joey, and the guys at WP. Good dudes. They know their shit. It's too bad they're not doing suspension for everybody anymore. They do know their stuff. But they also recommend going to Race Tech as well. That's not even coming from me. They do recommend that. So if you guys do have WP, Race Tech's good. 
All right, just know that. Um, I went to a 5.0 fork spring. And again, going to a cone valve is going to give you some more front-end traction, some more comfort, mid-stroke feel. And bottoming resistance, I would say it's not as good as an air fork, straight up. But I don't mind bottoming if I have comfort. And if I'm jumping into a braking bump, as long as it's not slamming down and coming back up really quick and then bucking me around, I'm okay. But if it bottoms out and, it's, and the chassis doesn't react, which this bike doesn't, um, at Carson Mumford's house, there's a huge freaking double. I mean, third gear almost wide open. You land, and as soon as you land, it starts getting into some soft stuff and lots of braking bumps. But sometimes my old ass... Um, I'm a little bit uh, sketchy at the end of a moto because I'm not 30, mono, 30 minutes strong yet. I overjump this thing, and sometimes I land in a braking bump. What this cone valve does better than the air fork is it lands in that braking bump and settles a little bit better. It doesn't rebound and, and create like a snap back, and it just screws up my chassis coming in the corner. It calms my chassis down a little bit with this cone valve stuff. I run a cone valve at 2.5 millimeters up with this new KTM clamp, which is excellent. I was worried about this new KTM clamp on the 19.5 being rigid. It is not. It actually is. It flexes more than your guys' 2019 clamp, so just know that. It looks like an X-Trig. It's not, but I do like the orange anodizing, and I like the fact that it flexes a little bit more than the stock clamp from the 19. So again... Cone valve, the benefit for you guys, ah, it's three grand, Kiefer. It's too much fucking money. I get it. I understand. Like, you just spend $11,000 on this son of a bitch, and you don't want to spend $3,000 more. But here's how I look at it. If you can get it, it is worth it, okay? Number two, if you're a KTM guy, this fork will roll over to other bikes. If you're buying a bike once every other year or so, simply take that cone valve off, put that AER4 back in, Sell that thing, boom, you got a cone valve just traveling with you. That's the benefit. That's why I try to tell people is like, hey, yeah, you're spending three grand, but that fork will last you through a couple bikes or even more if you're a KTM guy because in the foreseeable future, I don't see that whole front end changing where you're going to have to get a whole new fork and that's going to be obsolete. So just know that. The, the cone valve fork is kind of like a mountain bike. That's how I look at it. And that's what I tell my wife is like, look, a mountain bike's going to last me six years. This fork would last me that long, too, because I can travel with this fork every time I get a new bike. So just know that. That's just food for thought for you guys. It's kind of how I explain it to people. Is the Trax's uh, shock worth it? worth it? It's tough because the stock shock's pretty damn good. WP did a great job on the exact stuff. That's what they're calling it now. It's rebranded, exact. But this WP Pro component, tracks they're not calling it tracks anymore i think they're gonna call it exact pro component so excuse me wp but i'm it'll grow on me and i'll get used to it it's a little bit firmer feeling okay initially and it has more of a dead feeling than the stock shock is it day and night better in comfort no it is not but it doesn't fade as quick as the stock shock does. When I'm doing a long moto on a rough track, the stock shock will fade and get springy on me. And again, I'm pushing the bike, getting it hot, then the track stuff. The tracks will last me longer, and the dampening control is much better in that aspect. Now, is the comfort better? 
Yeah, eh, maybe a little bit, but not much. It's not going to warrant the comfort's not going to warrant me to spend the money. What would help me spend the extra money on a pro component, the shock, was is just simply the control and the dampening that this thing has. So that is what has forced me to keep these pro components on my bike simply because when I push, it'll withstand heat a little bit better than the stock stuff does. I will like to give a shout out to WP for the new color changes that they are making. Um, but you guys haven't seen yet with the pro components, which you guys will see here soon. It's beautiful. And the the stock stuff. I like that silver look. It looks cool. And the, the top of the cap on the AE forks a little bit different. Um, the way you bleed it is a little bit different. And just FYI, just FYI, guys, yes, you do bleed your air fork. Those little Torx heads in there, bleed those things. Those are meant to be bled. Yes, bleed them. And um, for those of you guys working with a 2019 fork, it looks like a 10-millimeter head. You just simply get a 10-millimeter T-handle and let the air bleed right next to your Schrader valve right there. Let that air out. That's huge. Make sure you guys do that because that will stiffen your fork up as well. It's a separate chamber in there. You will have to bleed it off. So just know that. It's commercial time, everybody. Hey, don't fast forward. Listen to these commercials and get some discounts. Get some code, save yourself some money, listen in. Hey, what's up? Technology, that's what I'm talking about here. It's a great thing, I love it. But I also can pull my hair out with it as well. However, there is a company that you probably have seen on the Rockstar Husqvarna race team, Dean Wilson, Jason Anderson, called Skosh. It's spelled S-C-O-S-C-H-E. You can go to skosh.com and check out all the products. They have really, really cool stuff. They have headphones. They have boom bottles. They have phone chargers for your Droid, your iPhone. They have magic mounts. They have wireless chargers. They have huge cables that will reach all the way across your house if you need a charger and you don't have an outlet close like my house. I don't have that many outlets. They just have a bunch of cool products to make your life easier when you're out in the garage, when you're in your car, when you're at your house. Just, I'm really, really pumped to have these guys on board because they sent me some stuff. I use it all the time. My favorite thing is the Boom Buoy. It's a speaker that floats on the water. I can hang out in the pool in the backyard, listen to my music. I'm a big music guy. So they just make really cool stuff that makes my life easier. Founded in 1980, Skosh Industries is a Ventura-based, Southern California, of course, award-winning innovator of consumer technology, power sports, and car audio products. Don't forget, car audio. You're traveling, you're sitting in traffic. You guys need to check them out, skosh.com. Committed to delivering the superior products that we all want, quality and functionality, exceptional value, and unmatched customer service. The designers and engineers at Skosh develop products that reflect a rich heritage in audio and mobile technology. Skosh finds inspiration in the California lifestyle, culture, music, and people. These influences can be seen in accessories and products that are now in the hands of homes, offices, vehicles, and people all over the world. 50 countries, okay? Hundreds of patents, trademarks, and countless industry awards received. It's easy to see why Skosh is constantly at the forefront of technology. These guys are cool. They're huge motorcycle enthusiasts. 
They even gave us a product code, SCOKT25. That's SCOKT25. Use that code when you go to scotch.com. Get 25% off. Seriously, guys, go check them out. You won't ever get it. If you want to hit me up, Chris at KeyForInkTesting.com. I'll let you know more. But very cool guys over there. Thanks, Skosh. Skosh.com. ScreenPrintingDone.com. You guys looking to make up some shirts, hoodies, or hats with a logo on it? Or maybe you want a logo made up for your business and you want to transfer that over to some t-shirts? Go to ScreenPrintingDone.com. Neil over there is a writer. He owns the company. He is a rad human being. And he is here to hook you guys up. Order 12 shirts and get 10 for free. They have all different kinds of shirts, hoodies, hats, different fabrics, all different kinds of stuff. Go hit them up, screenprintingdone.com. Tell them Kiefer sent you and get 10 free shirts. Be sure to say Kiefer. That's right, Kiefer and screenprintingdone.com. Go check them out. Thanks, Neil. Have you guys checked out bloodlubricants.com? If you haven't, bludlubricants.com. Go check them out. Three new series of oils, Blood Power Sport Series, the Blood Racing Pro Series, and the Blood Racing Pro Elite Series. I have Michael Allen here with me. We've been doing two different types of oils in our test bike. Mike has been doing the Blood Power Sport Series. Everything going good there? Everything's going good. I use it in all our test bikes, the ones that I prep and maintain. And uh, it runs a little cooler than production oils. And uh, I know you've done some testing with that. Yeah, so basically before Jeff and the guys came on board, I had to check the legitimacy of this stuff because um, I didn't want no crap involved in keyframe testing. Um, honestly, tried it. Was very surprised about the oil. Did some temperature readings. It was little over 30 degrees cooler in my YZ450F compared to some other oils I've been running. So the stuff is good. They sponsor over 250 racers from Enduro, Enduro Cross, Hair Scrambles, UTVs, Supercross now. They got some Supercross guys. So go check them out, bloodlubricants.com. Use the discount code Kiefer and get some percentage off your oils. They'll ship them to you. Probably get a hat or two. You know, Jeff's a good dude. Go check them out, bloodlubricants.com. Thanks to the guys over at 6D Helmets. That's right. They are on board with the KieferInkTesting.com. Kiefer Tested Podcast. We thank them for joining us. You have a street bike, a dirt bike, or do you pedal? You have a mountain bike. Head over to 6DHelmets.com. Check out the full line of helmets they offer. I'm sure they have a helmet for you. Hey, I get questions all the time. Kiefer, what helmet would you choose if you could pick one to buy? If you're going to spend your own money, Kiefer, where are you going? While there are a lot of helmets that are safe out there, okay, I do feel the safest in a 6D helmet. I've had many crashes in my ATR1. I've had a couple in my ATR2, and it has done its job. It's advanced ODS technology. It's race-proven. I'm telling you guys, and it's light. The new ATR2, it comes in at 1,480 grams. It's fully rebuildable. Very cool colorways. I trust the guys over at 6D Helmets. Maybe you guys should too. Hit me up over at chris at keyforinktesting.com. Maybe get a special discount code if you want to get a 6D. So please, guys, go check them out. 6D Helmets, hit me up. Tell me how you like yours. And if you don't have one, maybe go get one. Thanks, 6D. Hey, Heather. Hey, Chris. Did you know that every two-stroke KTM and Husqvarna come with a Vertex piston in the engine from the factory? No, I did not. 
65 years ago, Vertex Piston was founded in a small technical workshop in northern Italy. Today, because of the renowned reputation for exceptional quality, Vertex is an OEM supplier to KTM, Husqvarna, and more exotic brands like Beta, Gas Gas, and TM. No matter which brand of bike you ride with, when it's time to go ride or time to rebuild your top end, Vertex Pistons will have your engine performing better than new. To see their full range of two-stroke and four-stroke pistons in replica, high-compression, or GP-style configurations, visit them at vertexpistons.com or stop in your local dealer and ask for a Vertex Piston Kit today. And if you guys want a discount code, hit me up, chris at keferinktesting.com, and I've got one for you. Save some money. Vertexpistons.com. Um, little things that I've done as well. Uh, of course, you guys know about the black cam. Put the black throttle cam in. That's that's standard issue. A lot of this stuff rolls over to this bike. Um, the Sella della Valle. Valle, however you say it. Sella della Valle. Sella della Valle. There it is. Boom. The seat, I like the seat a lot, but it's it's harsh on my ass. I mean, don't be manscaping before this thing. We've talked about this, okay? Uh, you're going to get monkey butt if you're riding sand tracks. Get your ass ate up. Prepare. You're coming home. Wife's like, what's up? You got sand in your ass. So um, that seat will grind that sand in your butt, and you will have no butt hairs, okay? Just stand, stand by because... Raw ass is right around the corner with this seat. It does its job, but it also hurts your ass. So just know that. Keep a fuel filter on hand. I've had the same fuel filter in my bike for the 25 hours. I haven't changed it. Still runs fine. Just know that. And uh, to me, I've always ran, if you guys can find Dunlop MX3S tires, that's what I've been running on this bike. Um, I found some. I've been running them. God, I love them. If you guys know anybody that has them, wants to sell them, hit me up. I want to buy MX3S tires as much as I can. I do run a 120. I have ran a 110 size on the back. It doesn't matter, guys. Like, I've ran both. They both work fairly well. I don't notice that huge of a difference out here on the West Coast. Run a 110 or a 120 rear, but I normally run a 120 rear. Um, when I do go to a 33, when I do go to a different tire, it'll be a Dunlop 33. And I will be working with the Dunlop 33 front a little bit more to try to get some bite because I'm not completely happy with that front tire. Again, I've tested Hoosiers. Those work very good too. Um, But you will have to deal with higher air pressures and a little bit more money when it comes to the Hoosiers. Keep an eye on your sprocket bolts, your engine mount bolts, uh, chain adjustment, these chain adjuster nuts. Okay, the chain adjuster itself, the the bolt, these nuts like to back out a lot. And, of course, your axle nut. Keep an eye on it. For some reason on these KTMs, they vibrate a little bit more than aluminum frame bikes. So what happens is these bolts kind of back out a little bit. You can put blue Loctite on them to help you out a little bit. But motor mounts, engine mount, um, motor mounts, um, engine mounts, bolts, all that stuff you need to check. I check them after every ride, and you will notice it. They will fall out. On our FC350, engine bolt was about to fall out. So stand by, watch that stuff, and make sure that you guys pay attention. Reliability has been great, okay? We talk about reliability. I haven't changed a clutch yet. I'm about to. I'm going to change a clutch. 
Again, I've ran Motorex and blood lubricants in this engine, and I change my engine oil a lot. Every two to three hours, I'm changing engine oil, okay? Every five to six hours, I'm changing an oil filter. Out of all the clutches that are out there in these bikes, the KTM and Husqvarna are the toughest for me. It's, there's no comparison. I'm going through a clutch every eight to ten hours in this Yamaha, uh, Honda, maybe less at times. The Recluse is a little bit better on the Honda, but man, I'm gone. I'm up to 25 hours on this bike, and I haven't changed the clutch. I'm sure the rubbers are probably cracked or broke inside, which normally I do find. So if you guys do pull a clutch out and you see your little clutch rubbers that are cracked or broken, it's fine, but they're pressed inside of that pressure plate, so they're not going anywhere. But you will notice a little bit more slop and slight drag when that happens, but it's not going to do anything bad to your engine. So I'm just impressed of how reliable this clutch has been. And, of course, a hydraulic clutch, come on. I'm loving it. I like it. It doesn't fade. It's always there. Yes, it's a little bit on-off feel. The Brembo is, but I've come to grown. My starts aren't that bad. I've got good starts with this Brembo, and uh, I haven't noticed a huge difference going from a cable to a to a hydraulic. So um, I like that I don't have to adjust the cable a lot, and I do find myself doing that at times on other bikes. So brakes are amazing. If you're on a Japanese bike, I'm going to say this. I'm going to tread lightly here. If you're on a Japanese bike, and you find yourself buying a Brembo unit for your bike, which which does happen. Dubok does it with his Yamahas. He puts Brembo um, front brake on his Yamaha, and it's amazing. You don't know how much better you can ride, or how faster you how much faster you can go into a corner until you have good brakes. And the Brembo stuff is so strong, but not grabby, that I can get into corners faster and then drag my brake a little bit. To keep myself in the rut better with this Brembo stuff. Now, the KTM brake pads do squeak more than other pads out there. My Yamaha pads never squeak. Honda pads never squeak. But for some reason, I get these things a little bit hot. And the KTM brakes squeak a lot. I, For some reason, I think they might change that for 2020. Don't, don't quote me on that. Um, maybe they'll change the piston size or something. But... For some reason, you hear a lot of these off-road KTM guys, their brakes are squeaking. Well, mine been squeaking a little bit too because it's been wet, rainy, and I've been using the brake a lot, and the dirt's been heavy here in Southern California. So I do get some squeakage from time to time, so that is normal. So if you guys do hear that, don't freak out. Just check your pads. Make sure they're not too far down. But again, 25 hours in, and I'm still on stock brake pads. So for you guys out there thinking, I don't know about KTMs because they're not reliable, Dude, I've had I beat the shit out of the last two years on KTM's, and they've been great. Hardly any problems. I've had a battery or relay go bad on one, a fuel filter, of course. But past that, man, like I've had no issues with KTM's, besides bolt falling out, right? But you just that's just maintenance. You just got to keep up on that shit. And if you're not, it shit's gonna back out. So just know that. KTMs are reliable, guys. If, if it doesn't break on me, and if Gary Sutherland, the beast of all beasts of off-road riders, could fucking ride one of these things and not break it, you're good. Trust me. All these bikes built nowadays, I would say most of them. I wouldn't say all of them. 
most of them are pretty damn reliable. So again, 25 hours in this thing, and all I've done was, you know, oil changes, um, no pads, filter changes. And then when I do go to air filter, I go to a twin air and I take, and I use a two stroke air filter cage. So you can order a KTM 250SX cage without the backfire screen, put that in there, and that will get you a little bit more RPM response. Not huge, but it will. And throw a twin air in there and you're good. I'm a big fan of twin air filters. I like the pre-oiled ones, so that's my go-to. No, they don't pay me. But that's just what I've been use. I was using when I was at Dirt Rider, and I've kind of rolled that over into my stuff here at Kiefer Inc. Testing. So, that's basically a living with 25 25 hour mark on this KTM 450 SXF Factory Edition. I'm loving my time on it. I have a couple races coming up on this thing, not this weekend, but next weekend we'll be going to Don Maida's, um What is it called? Swap Moto Live Trans Am or some shit. So we're gonna race that. And uh, yeah, if you guys see me down at Glen Helen racing, you have any questions, come by. Let's talk. Let's talk KTMs, Hondas, Yamahas, Cowies, whatever you got. RM Army. It doesn't matter. We can chat. I love dirt bikes. I love talking about them. I love helping you guys out there. Um, thank you for all the support that I've been getting. I've been getting a lot of emails and comments. Um, again, I spend a lot of my time answering emails, and that's one thing that I pride myself on on this, on this business is uh, personal attention. I feel like that's kind of been missing in our sport and in our world, for that matter, for a long time. So uh, not only do we give straight-up honest info, ride the shit out of bikes, but we're here for you guys as well. Uh, I'm sitting in my studio right now. I'm not rich. I get it. Um, I'm damn lucky I get some of this shit for free. But I still go buy my stuff just like you guys, and I understand how much it costs, and it's not cheap. This sport isn't cheap, but it is a damn good sport, and it keeps our heads clear. Keeps me out of trouble, keeps me on the straight and narrow, and I love it. So uh, if you guys have any questions, hit me up, chris at keyforinktesting.com. But nonetheless, 2019.5 Factory Edition is awesome. It's really good. I'm having a great time riding it. We're going to get to some more fun stuff that will be announced probably on the Pulp Show next time I'm up there. Up there, And we'll be. Uh, I'm sure you guys are going to be shocked about what you guys are going to hear. It's going to be a good time. But... That has something to do directly with these uh, chromoly frames. As some of you guys call it, uh, you're dripping, dripping chromoly all over the place. That's a little running joke that we have here in the high des. When you're riding a chromoly frame, you're dripping. Travis Preston does not like that saying at all. He hates it. He wants to punch me in my face every time he hears that damn saying, dripping chromoly. That's bullshit, Kiefer. All right, that's it. Support the advertisers that support this podcast, people. They keep it going. It's fun to do, so let's keep doing it. So support them. Lots of discount codes in there. We're talking about National Hare and Hound Racing. I'm going to go do one of those. So if you guys haven't done one, let's do one together. Let's meet at the starting line at the banner. Do the bomb. Tape beer cans to our helmets. It's a good time, National Hare and Hound Association. So if you haven't done one, maybe go do one. So we're going to be doing more fun stuff like that there this year, trying to get out more and racing and just doing cool shit that I haven't done in a while. So check us back next week. We're going to do a family podcast about the Honda CRF trail lineup. I'm sure it's up on keyforingtesting.com right now, but you guys can check out that article. But we'll be doing that podcast about all the bikes and how fun it is and what the family's all about and how to get a family involved into our sport. Because if we keep sitting on our phones – 
jerking off, doing our same shit, our sport's not going to grow. So let's get off the phones, go ride dirt bikes, get your neighbors involved. You know, go talk to kids, get your neighbors, get people pumped on dirt bikes. We need more dirt bike people in this world, people. All right? That's my saying for you guys for the night. Get more people involved. I'll see you next week.